Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Needs a block on the picker. He gets it. And will he go the distance? Yes, he will. Touchdown, Michigan State. As the Hokies deliver the dagger here in Tallahassee. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. Unbelievable. Here's Collegiately Speaking, your one-stop shop for college football news. Collegiately Speaking. With Dave Edmund and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain? Collegiately Speaking. Well, September is over and it is on to October in college football. Welcome to another edition of Collegiately Speaking we get together every week, talk some college football with the emphasis on the Big Ten. Dave Ennett, alongside former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa, after uh, an interesting week, not a week of uh, a ton of compelling games, but uh, that game Saturday night in Happy Valley, you certainly got your money's worth on that one. But Dan, just kind of a... You keep waiting for the season really to kick in, and we've had some decent games I, as far as I'm concerned, that uh, Penn State-Ohio State game was as good as we've seen so far. Yeah, and probably in the past couple of years, right? I think it was another matchup or another game for the ages for, for those two teams. And it's just watching those two teams play and then watching the rest of the Big Ten play, it's very clear that they're head and shoulders better than everybody in the conference. I think we were all hoping Wisconsin would kind of be in there uh, and we were hoping Michigan State would be in there, but I don't think those two teams have proved that they're in that upper echelon. And Ohio State-Penn State, it was just an unbelievable game, great atmosphere, lived up to the college game day hype. So um, it was it was a lot of fun to watch. It, it was a game, though, that Penn State had every opportunity to win. They had, the, the, I mean, the crowd was nuts, right? And and they're leading. They seem to have control of the game with what about seven minutes to go, and then it gets away from them. I mean, it's kind of like you're looking at it and saying, "Yeah, they better not relax too much here because Ohio State's going to come back and take this game," and that's what they did. Right, and that's college football, and that's why we all love it because you know it came down. Ohio State had to score in those last two possessions, and they made big plays. I think the first drive was you know 80 yards, and the second one was 92, and they made big play after big play after big play, and you know that's college football. You can't let up until the final horn, and and that's what we saw in the Ohio State Penn State game. I, I was I was really impressed, and I kind of knew this going in when we were talking last week that Trace McSorley would play really well and feed off the energy. I thought he ran really angry, and it was hard to tackle, and I thought he was really efficient in the pass game, and, and as a quarterback, you know, it's tough to see Penn State take the ball out of his hands on that, that last fourth down. Alright, what about that fourth down play? Because they're, they've still got a shot, right? Yeah, and it was, it was interesting, right? You know, uh, the offensive coordinator is always going to get a ton of flack for running the ball and, you know, fourth and three plus. I think it was fourth and five. Uh, but what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, it's it was a call that was, you know, correctly called for the defense that Ohio State lined up in. Um, so if, if they executed it well and Ohio State kind of ran a bland defense, it would probably be a first down. But you can't you can't rely on that because Ohio State did a great job of changing the call last second, moving guys around, moving the linebackers, um, the defensive end. uh his name's escaping me, but he, he snuck inside and made an unbelievable play. And it was a cold, you know, that was a cold stunt up front. And that's why you can't run a run play like that in fourth and five plus because there's too many unknowns. Give the ball to the guy who got you there. Keep it with Trace. Let him move around. If so something's not there, it's not open, he can run around and make plays. But you can't just, again, kind of like we talked about before, hope that you have the right call. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You can't leave that to chance at that point of the game. 
You and I both saw a fourth quarter comeback in Evanston, and I think after Northwestern lost to Akron, everybody was wondering, well, how would they respond after a bye week going up against Michigan? And they came out and played great, and then all of a sudden, the offense could not make a first down, especially in the second half, and uh, Michigan's defense uh, showed why they're ranked as high as they are, and they're as good as they are, and uh, but but it just felt like another missed chance for this Northwestern team. Yeah, and I think we talked about it before the game when we ran into, in, into each other at the parking lot. But you know, we felt confident that Northwestern was going to come out and, and play, you know, respond and play well. But at the same time, you know, I was also pretty confident throughout the game that once they jumped out to that seventeen nothing lead, that you know, that wasn't going to win the game. And it and it didn't. And we saw. I think Teddy Greenstein, Greenstein from the trip put it best. It was like a slow band aid coming band-aid off. Removal. Everybody yep. knew it was coming. And you know, I think the Northwestern players knew it was coming because they didn't make a play. You know, the whole second half. And I think it's frustrating, right? You know, the the definition of of insanity is what doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And that's what you have with Northwestern right now. It's just come out hot. And go to sleep after the first quarter, and it's as a former player and a fan, it's it's really frustrating to watch. And you know, hopefully, they're turning up the heat on on the offensive staff to be like, guys, this is not acceptable. It's happened the whole season now. It's not one game. It's not an anomaly. It's it's the norm at this point. So hopefully, they respond against Michigan State. All right, a couple points on that. I want to get into a bit later on, but right now, I want to welcome in our guest, the anchor from the. Big Ten Network, our friend Dave Revson, who's been kind enough to spend a few minutes with us this morning. I don't know. Uh, let's see. What game were you at this weekend, Dave? I know you guys are doing your BTN tailgate show again. You were on the road, right? Yeah. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dan. Uh, so I started the day in Nebraska, but what I've been doing this year is leaving as soon as the show is over and coming back to Chicago and then uh, hosting in the evening from Chicago. So I didn't technically sit through the Nebraska-Purdue game, but we were there kind of getting the the flavor for the mm-hmm. game beforehand and uh, getting a sense for what's happening in Lincoln, which has been a pretty interesting story so far, as you guys are well aware. Yeah, well, let's start right there. What What is happening in Lincoln? Because this, this Nebraska team uh, was being mentioned as a sleeper in the Big Ten West before the season under Scott Frost, and here they are at 0-4, and I guess people are wondering, Dave, are they making progress, or is this just something that you have to go through when you go through a change in culture and a uh, that goes along with a, a coaching change? I think it's kind of more the latter. I do think, certainly I would say this, Dave, from being at practice this year, both, well, myself and then Jerry and Howard uh, came away really impressed with the way that Scott Frost ran his practice, with uh, kind of how well the staff works together. His whole group came together from UCF, so everyone kind of is on the same page. I think it might have been different, and I, I, you know, had they played that first game against Akron and, and had they won that game, you know, you go into the Colorado game, that's your first game, it's their second game, so you make a lot of those first game mistakes that they didn't make and, and lost a really close game, essentially on a penalty, and then of course had the quarterback knocked out, lost to Troy. So I, I'm not saying you're making excuses for Nebraska, but I think they are better than their record has indicated. But I'd also say they've got more than 50 new players on this team. I think Scott Frost is trying to, the metaphor he used this week was trying to build a foundation and that there are some issues with the foundation and that can take some time. I still feel like in maybe it's two years, 
Nebraska will begin a run where they'll be a absolute contender in the Big Ten West and be a factor in that race every single year and will start competing for the Big Ten title. I, I honestly think that's going to happen. Um, but it might take some time. I, I still think this is a good hire, but I, I think they dug themselves a pretty significant hole. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Um, you talked about what you saw in fall camp, and I think it's one thing to you know ride the hype and ride the energy from from Scott Frost coming in. But you know, once adversity slaps you in the face, you know sometimes that that changes within within the locker room and you know the relationships between the coaches and players that you know probably aren't that great because they're all new. Uh, did you get a sense for like any mini mutiny? I know we saw the Nebraska offensive line kind of call out or offensive lineman call out the rest of his team. Did you get any sense of that that the players weren't bought in or you know anything any inkling there? Certainly not when we were at camp. Now you know right. they've had guys leave, and there's been some stuff that has happened here subsequently, which makes you believe that there probably are some guys who aren't bought in. But I just think that's natural, man. I mean, you know, I know you didn't have that kind of. You know, it's a different kind of transition, obviously, when you played. Right. Uh, you know, a really tragic one with, with the loss of Coach Walker. But, you know, I think whenever you sign up to play for one guy and you end up playing for a different guy, there are going to be some people who aren't happy with who comes in, either because of the style of play or because there were promises made to them or whatever it is. So I just think that there is that natural turnover that's going to happen. I, I guess I just feel like this is going to take time. You know, it. It takes a long time to build up a program, but it doesn't take very long to ruin it and to, to take a massive step back. And, and I feel like Nebraska here has seen its program erode, really, for the better part of the last 20 years. They've had a few moments here and there that have led you to believe that, that this group you know, maybe is coming back as recently as a couple of years ago. I mean, they were 7-0 and going in that Wisconsin game. It went into overtime, and they lost the game, and I think they're like 6-16 six and 16 since then. So they're not that far removed from being a team people were talking about nationally, but it has fallen apart here, and I just think it's going to take time to put those pieces back together, no matter how proud your history is. All right, so we're into October now, Dave. Everybody's played at least one conference game, got about a month of football under our belts. Anything stand out, uh, Nebraska aside, anything stand out that surprises you as you survey the Big Ten? Yeah, um, let's see. I mean, there's so many things, I guess, that surprise me. I'm not sure I I know where to begin. Um, I am surprised that Michigan's offense hasn't taken more steps forward. I kind of thought they were, and then in watching that game that you and Dan were talking about right before I came on against Northwestern, I I think that led me to question them uh, a little bit. Maybe we can get more into that one. I'm surprised at how bad Rutgers is. I, I thought there were some areas they were really deficient in, particularly the, the defensive line, but I thought they'd be better than this. I mean, I certainly never thought they'd get crushed by Kansas and Buffalo. Uh, Indiana's maybe a little bit better than I thought they would be, particularly offensively. So you kind of go down the list. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of things that surprise me positively and negatively uh i i don't think there's anything that that is just so glaring like wow i would have never seen that coming if you would have told me this was going to be the story five weeks in there's nothing that's so beyond the the realm of imagination that that you know i would have said i just can't fathom that that would happen but there are definitely a lot of things that i went to predict them to, to happen this way yeah, Dave, kind of like we're, I don't know if you, you heard this before when we were talking about it, but is, is Ohio State and, and 
Penn State that much better than the rest of the Big Ten. It, it seems like it. You know, we were hoping Michigan State and Wisconsin would be in that upper echelon, but are they just different teams right now than the rest of the Big Ten? Well, you know, it's interesting. We ranked our top five this weekend before our show in Lincoln. I had Michigan second in the league. Hmm. So I, I was I had a lot of questions about Penn State's defense. I thought App State threw the ball really well on them. Illinois ran it well. I think Illinois is a vastly improved run team, but but I still don't think they ought to have been put, able to put up those kinds of numbers against Penn State if Penn State really is a championship defense. But then they came out, and I thought they did a really good job against Ohio State, and I see Penn State in a different light than I did four days ago. I mean, to me, you know, the defense proved itself in that game against Ohio State. I know in the end, obviously, they weren't able to come up with the stop when they needed to and, and stop that last Buckeyes drive, but you know, to hold that group under 30 points, I think, is a huge accomplishment. So, you know, again, I, I kind of came into that week thinking this team was right there with them. Maybe not. I think there's always kind of recency bias. Right. Where we take the results of that last week and, and tend to hyperinflate them a little bit more and, and don't necessarily look over the course of the year. I'm interested to see what we get out of Wisconsin going forward here. In the next few weeks, they have a very challenging schedule as you guys are aware, I mean, the game with Nebraska this week, I, I think they'll be able to handle reasonably well, but you know, still have to go to Michigan, still have to go to Penn State. So how good is this team? I mean, I, th- I think we'll find out more, but maybe Wisconsin could be in that discussion. But yeah, right now, I guess to kind of answer the original question, Dan, it does feel like maybe Ohio State and Penn State are, are better than the rest of the group. And then what about Iowa, Dave? Because uh, if it were not for that loss to Wisconsin, and it looked like they were going to find a way to win that game under the lights at at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, Would they be in that upper group, too? Because they don't seem like they're that far behind. I would agree. I mean, I thought kind of coming into the year that the gap had closed a little bit in the West between Wisconsin and some of those other teams. Iowa would be the most prominent one that we came away from camp thinking you look at the combination of their schedule – which was of the kind of consensus top four in the East, the only one they have to play is Penn State. So it felt like their schedule was more favorable than Wisconsin. And then I thought Wisconsin was going to take a little bit of a step back on defense this year, which they have to a certain extent just because of the personnel losses. It kind of felt like maybe Iowa and, you know, the fact that Iowa was getting Wisconsin home, it felt like they were the team that could make that move. And and for the better part of three quarters in that game, they had a great chance to do so. I guess I still wonder – about their offense. I think it is better than it was a year ago. It has clearly taken a little bit of a step forward. Um, you know, they're running the ball slightly better than last season, um, but it's still not a great offense. And, and I guess I just feel like, you know, it's really hard to win games in the 20s week in and week out, and I kind of feel like that's where Iowa is right now. So are they the next best team in the West, kind of by default? I feel like they are. But I, they're not kind of what I'd hope they might be coming out of camp, at least not to this point. Interesting to see what they do at Minnesota this week. Uh, before I let you go, there's, this is always a, not really a debate, but people always wonder, where does the Big Ten stand in terms of national perception? And you probably have a, a, the pulse of that better than most of us who are here in Chicago, because I, I, I felt like the Big Ten's, image was was trending up going into the season and then 
people start piling on and say Big Ten's not as good as we thought, and then Ohio State looks really good and Penn State looks really good, and all of a sudden, hey, maybe the Big Ten's not so bad. Uh, what's what's your sense of where the Big Ten stacks up in the in the lens nationally, the way people look at this conference? I think the truth is often somewhere in the middle, and I think that's kind of where we are. There was a lot of hype about the Big Ten. You know, had uh, the best showing in terms of the preseason eight people since 1959 in terms of the number of top 15 teams. And so I, I think there was a belief coming into the year that the league was really, really good, and then there were some stumbles out of the gate. Again, I, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think the, the reality of how we measure leagues these days is ultimately about how your teams do in the postseason, whether you get teams into the college football playoff. Because I thought in terms of the top of the league, the elite teams in the league, I thought the Big Ten was the best last year. But, of course, no one ended up making the playoff. And so it kind of, you know, that kind of gets lost. That narrative gets lost because there wasn't an overpowering or great team. Whereas last year the SEC had two great teams, and then the rest of the league was really not very good. Right. This year I think the SEC is far deeper. And, and so, you know, that becomes a little bit of a narrative. But you, you have overwhelming teams at the top, certainly one in Alabama. Does the Big Ten have that team this year? I mean, I guess at this point the league is hanging its hat on Ohio State, the only undefeated team left in the conference. Uh, to me, they're really good. Are they at the level of some of these other teams nationally? I don't know, but I think ultimately that's what the league's going to be measured on. I just don't think, while I think you could make an argument that you should measure on the entire depth of the conference and how the middle looks and how the bottom looks, I just think that's too hard for people. That that's that's an exercise in in knowing too much and in getting too analytical. People want to paint in in broad strokes, and I think it's a lot easier to do that when you measure the top of the league. So we'll see. We'll see how Ohio State plays down the stretch. We'll see how Wisconsin plays and, and Penn State, and I think we'll be able to get a better gauge of of where it sits. Um, is it as good as people thought it was going to be in the non conference in the preseason? Maybe not. I, I, I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that that some of these teams have underperformed what the expectations were. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, Where are you going to be this week? We're going to Columbus, so we'll see Ohio State, Indiana, or or see the build-up to that, and then uh, make uh, my way back to Chicago and and be in studio for uh, all the the evening activities. We've got the uh, Wisconsin-Nebraska game in primetime, so be back for that and and for our final drive show. I saw your video a couple weeks ago when you were doing the play-by-play on the Illinois game at Soldier Field against, and you had started the day in your studios and ended the day. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 I envied you and felt for you at the same time. But uh, that was that was good stuff. I, I presume that's still available somewhere on the web or in social media if anybody wants to catch that. Yeah, we had a great time with it. It was a fun day. I would not say. Uh, please don't feel for me because I was really <laughs> no, excited I, at that opportunity i mean you know you guys know this is uh, it's a dream job it's so much fun to be involved in this and uh when the opportunity was was presented to me i jumped all over and i thought it was a great way to promote what we had going on in the network that day and and to do something a little different it's always fun to to have something that's a different challenge in your day good stuff dave i appreciate the time as always safe travels we'll catch up with you later in the season okay thanks dave thanks dan thanks dave Dave Refson from BTN on his way to uh, Columbus and on beyond. And we, we started to touch on a couple of uh, the points about um, some of these teams. And, and Dave mentioned some teams have underperformed in the Big Ten. 
Uh, Northwestern certainly seems to be one of those. And there was one aspect to the game Saturday that I do want to touch on, and that was the play of the running backs for Northwestern. After Jeremy Larkin was forced to retire for medical reasons, their leading rusher, their most productive offensive player to this point. And I actually thought that the guys who stepped in, John Moten IV and Solomon Vault, did a good job for them. Now, granted, they all of a sudden the game kind of changed. It, it's a tough team to run against. They have injuries on their offensive line. The Wildcats do. Um, but I thought for what those guys showed on Saturday, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought I agree, Dave. I, you know, Solomon Vault's a sight for sore eyes, right? And he We've hasn't been, played in two years, right? The Northwestern fans have been been looking to him for explosive plays. Since he got here, and I think he struggled with injuries, and um, a lot of people are asking why he's not returning kicks right now. And I think he's just getting back into it. I thought for being injured for you know a long time, he looked really explosive. He looked really good at running back. And again, we forget that you know the front seven for Michigan—they have the number one defense in the country right now. The, the front seven is an NFL front seven. So yeah, while they didn't you know get super, they weren't super productive. I I, I agree. I thought they did a really good job. You're not going to replace Jeremy Lark- Larkin overnight and with a snap of a finger. Um, it's going to take three guys and um if jeremy was in there would he have done a little bit better i don't know maybe but i i agree i thought it was i thought they stepped up to the challenge they ran with conviction they ran really hard um and i think we're you know northwestern's in really good hands with with you know those three bowser moton and vault and and by the way michigan state their opponent this week is allowing 40.3 rushing yards per game that's best in the nation well there you go so all right time to get to some predictions here and We've got to get to Super Joe's pick of the week. We always rely on Super Joe for his prediction of the week. And Super Joe, what you got for us this week? Prediction to say or estimate a specified thing will happen in the future. Super Super Joe's Joe's predictions. predictions. I like the lead-in. Yeah, how about that? There we go. Our guy Ernie helping out again. Yep. Uh, yeah, so last week didn't go great. Um, <laughs> Bloomington, or uh, the Hoosiers did not cover in uh, New Jersey, but I-, I think that's good. You know, it's nice to see Rutgers get on a roll a little bit. They were kind of embarrassed by a couple teams. Uh, this week, I'm actually going out of the Big Ten to Notre Dame. I'm really impressed by the quarterback change, and that team is playing so well. Um before the quarterback change, they were averaging about 200 yards passing a game since uh, switching to Ian Book. Um, they're closer to 300 a game, and Book has seven touchdowns and zero interceptions in the last couple games here. Um, they are impressive. They're in Blacksburg at night against Virginia Virginia Tech. Uh, they're laying six points, but um, I think they, they cover that and then some. Okay, there you go. Interesting. There you go. That's you know, Notre Dame, if you look at the schedule, I mean, this. a lot of people feel this is the toughest game they have remaining. I, I know they come to Evanston in November, but I think if you look, this is the – the, the a ranked opponent on their schedule. They they looked good against Stanford. So yeah, Florida State's bouncing back too. I think everybody got off that yep. bandwagon at the beginning of the year, and yep. they're going to figure it out. That's, that'll be a really tough game too. And USC will get better with JT Daniels growing up a little right. bit. But exactly. This is definitely I would say the toughest toughest game. Agreed. Right. All right. Good job, Joe. Dan. What about you? I'm going to come back to the Big Ten, uh, the Iowa Minnesota game. To to Dave's point, um, you know Iowa's always going to stay in the 20s. Don't have a ton of offense, but. I, I just don't think uh, Minnesota can play with their physicality yet, so I think it's it's not going to be close um, in Minneapolis when when Iowa plays Minnesota. I think Iowa's going to win pretty easily. 
Yeah, I, I would tend to go along with you on that one. And then I'm going to go to where Dave is going this week, uh, Columbus, Ohio State, and Indiana. And I know Ohio State's a big favorite, deservedly so. Uh, but I think Indiana is going to keep that game closer than people think. Indiana, the, what's the knock always been on Indiana? They could score points, but they couldn't play defense, right? right? Well, they've got a top 25 defense now. They, they're, I mean, top 25 statistically. Right. And uh, and I think even though they had a closer game than expected at Rutgers, remember Rutgers got up early on them, and they pretty much coasted from that point on in terms of uh, taking the lead in that game. So I'm going to take Indiana to keep it closer against <laughs> Ohio What does closer State. mean? Uh, I'd say they're going to be within a couple of touchdowns. Okay. I, I think they're going to hang in there. Okay, that's fair. Surprise people on Saturday. And don't forget, last year after the game with Penn State, they got housed by Iowa. So right. it's, it is kind of one of those spots where, you know, you come off the of the big game and the big atmosphere, and then all of a sudden you kind of have the deflating, you know, lesser, yeah. lesser opponent. Well, and that's part of it, too. They play Minnesota at home next week. I mean, this is really the stretch in Ohio State's schedule. They go to Michigan State in November, two weeks before they host Michigan. So other than that, I mean, it. you look for somebody they're going to stumble against here, kind of hard to find. Right. I remember Indiana played them tough last year in Bloomington in that Thursday night opener, had the lead at halftime, a fairly sizable lead at one point in that game, and then Ohio State totally dominated in the second half. So uh, next week we'll come back. Uh, Michigan State at Penn State, that'll be a good one next week. Wisconsin at Michigan, I think we'll get – some clues about both of those teams next week. Those are great games. Yeah, I, I think we'll see if if that I guess not lower echelon, but the the lower stack of teams in the Big Ten can really you know up their game and get closer to Penn State and Ohio State. All right, we'll see you next week, Dan Joe. Thanks for being with us once again, and thank you for joining us for Collegiately Speaking. We'll talk to you next week at WGNRadio.com. <laughs>